the American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must take America back. Main Street to Wall Street, cities and states, Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long. We need leaders who lead us, not stick us and bleed us, then ransom our future and our children's. That's wrong. We must take America back as liberty weeps. Our forefathers spin in their graves. Yes, they do, and they are spinning for sure. And welcome everyone to Republic Broadcasting Network here tonight uh, with the uh, Rebel and the Renegade Roundtable. We are missing one of our uh, men, uh, and that would be the Scorpio, who had uh, some uh, things he just had to get done, and he wasn't able to make it with us tonight. But before we jump into the into tonight's program. I just want to take the opportunity to ask you people to stand up and help us support free speech in America. It's going away like snow in the Arizona desert. So we really need some people to step up and to support RBN. And uh, for anyone between now and the end of the month who makes a $250 or more donation, your name will go into a pot for a drawing of which I am personally donating a brand new quilt with the St. Andrew's Cross, a very well-made quilt, handmade quilt with the St. Andrew's Cross or some people call it the Confederate battle flag. So step up. Take a chance. This this quilt is worth many times more than the donation required to have an opportunity to win it. Plus, at the same time, we are you are helping to promote free speech. And what could be better than promoting the rights of of yourself and your fellow American. Well, with all that being said, let's uh, introduce our two guys here on the panel. And I'm going to start with uh, uh, Mr. Kerry himself and the Beyond the Official Narrative. I, that's the thing that pops into my head every time I think about Richard. So, Richard, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good today, Mike. Thanks for asking. Uh, glad to be here. And I hope you're well, sir. Oh, doing well, and it's always great to have you, Richard. And uh, I know that uh, you you are definitely involved in a labor of love. You do that uh, beyond the official narrative every day for RBN, and I'm sure that John Stampmiller is proud of everything that you do. And I thank you for that, Richard. Well, thank you, sir. Yes, no, I, I certainly am trying, and I hope that in what John saw fit, for the station, you know, I helped to contribute to that. 
Yes, sir. And you continue to do so. And then let's look at that thought criminal hiding up there in the hills of South Carolina. And that would be none other than our also our RBN co-host, Mr. Stephen Douglas Whitener. Uh, And Stephen, just one request. When you put that picture up of you and Wendy, would you get out of the picture so I could just look at Wendy, please? (laughs) All right. I'll I'll have to post one just just for Wendy and Jesse for you. How about that? I've had a Uh, question with Wendy and Jesse. He get to be a big dog now, though. (laughs) That would be be wonderful, buddy. And uh, how's your week been? Uh, It's... Well, per, you know, uh, it's, it's, I'm grateful to be here. I, I I wanted to point out to everybody that also, if the, uh, that quilt came with an RBN package too, you get some RBN paraphernalia too. Oh and yes, I will. Thanks for yeah, yeah, and and I appreciate uh, all of Mister Stadville's neighborhood. Ditto everything you said about Richard uh, uh, and. Uh, Beyond the official narrative and all that, too. I, I, and I'm really glad to be here. And hello to all you thought criminals out there. <clears throat> and uh, I also want to encourage RBN and all you thought criminals to support Mr. Gaddy Substack, too, to learn the actual history of this uh, uh, country. Because I love that song we use, but, I mean, America has been gone since the Constitution replaced the Declaration of Independence, in my opinion. And that's just a whole other subject, but just something that I've come to realize after after looking at, at, at the evidence. And I, I, I challenge anybody to prove, you, prove, prove me wrong about that. <laughs> Well, I, I'm, yes, sir. I certainly uh, feel like I have no argument <laughs> against what you just said, my friend. Uh, well, folks, uh, here's something. Uh, 200 years ago today, in what is now West Virginia, was born a man by the name of Thomas Jonathan Jackson. Later on, he would become famous uh, for and re- and receive the in the first battle of Manassas would receive. A moniker from a fellow, well, he wasn't a fellow South Carolinian, but he was from South Carolina, and uh, he would receive the name that would stick with him for the rest of his life, and that was Stonewall. And so I was just going to tell folks that, uh, you know, he's been one of my heroes, he and Patrick Henry, two good Southern men. But a question that I would ask, uh, you know, right off. Uh, had it not been for the misnamed Civil War, which uh, Stonewall Jackson called our second war for independence, had there not been that war, would history have ever known anything about Thomas Jackson? Your thoughts, Stephen? I honestly don't know, sir. I, I'm going to have to defer to your uh, knowledge about about that. I. Uh, well, I, about everything I, I remember about him, I, I, there, about everything I remember about him that comes to mind is there stands uh, Jackson like a stone wall. Yes, uh, battle. Yes, sir. And Richard, uh, you know, we know our uh, education is uh, you know well below par, but uh, tell us what you learned about Stonewall Jackson, sir. Well, no, sir. I mean, as Stephen uh, said, I mean, it was more of a, an iconic uh, figure we were aware of. Um, I think Stephen put it uh, quite aptly, but you know, not really much anything beyond that. Uh, just a, uh, a stoic, 
uh, a figure um, un, unrelenting in his, uh, you know, in his in his stance uh, during the battle. Well, he was a professor at uh, Virginia Military Institute. He lived in Lexington, Virginia, and uh, as he when he was there, the students, the cadets at uh, VMI, uh, you know, had uh, several names for him: Tom Fool Jackson and Old Blue Light, and some of the other stuff that they called him. He was not that. Uh, you know, if you a well embraced uh, professor, if you would, uh, he was known for being a hard taskmaster. And then you know the war comes, and um, so one. I don't think history would have ever heard of Thomas Jonathan Jackson without the war. And although I'm sure that we would have been much better off without that war. Uh, I think such events in history bring out the true heroes, and Stonewall, in my opinion, certainly was one. And uh, I was just wondering, uh, Mr. Producer, you got that tape ready for us, sir? Yes, sir, I sent a clip, and uh, just let me know when you're ready with it. We'll keep going until that time. I thought I did send it to Skype, too. Oh, well, my my fault then. My bad. Okay, buddy. Thank you. Now, this is a meeting, the first meeting between Stonewall and Jeb Stewart. Lieutenant Colonel Stewart reporting for duty, sir. Colonel Stewart. That's an impeccable hat, sir. Thank you, sir. Tell me, Colonel Stewart. Use tobacco? No, sir. Not any form. Neither do I. Find I like it too much. Sit down. Understand from your record that you are West Point, class of 54. Served since in the cavalry, Fort Clark, Texas. Operations against Apache, Comanche. Most impressive, you are native Virginian. Fought with Longstreet and Ewell, sir. Nasty business. Merciless climate. Glad to be home, sir. The Apache were defending their homes as we will be defending ours. We fight as well as the Apache. I pity the Yankee invader. General Stewart. If I had my way, we would show no quarter to the enemy. No more than the Redskins showed your troopers. The black flag, sir. If the North triumphs, it is not alone the destruction of our property. It is the prelude to anarchy, infidelity, the ultimate loss of free and responsible government on this continent. It is the triumph of commerce, the banks, factories. We should meet the federal invader on the outer verge of just and right defense and raise at once the black flag. No quarter to the violators of our homes and firesides. Our political leadership in Richmond is too timid to face the reality of this coming war. We should look to the Bible. It is full of such wars. Only the black flag will bring the North quickly to its senses rapidly in the war. Well, Colonel, one way or the other, the South will give them a warm reception. You'll be in charge of the cavalry in the Harpers Ferry District. Your experience and your zeal will be invaluable. 
Thank you, sir. And, Colonel, know that I will tell my men always to gallop toward the enemy, but trot away. Ah, what a great uh, clip there. And that, uh, folks, comes from a movie. If you haven't seen it, you need to, and it's called Gods and Generals. And that uh, was just, and, and it's historically correct. That's one of the things that's been so hard for people, and that's probably one of the reasons that the movie never made a lot of money or really went out there is because it was the truth. And as uh, the uh, country music singer, I'm trying to think of his name right now, uh, uh, who said that uh, the truth just doesn't sell well. And he was exactly right. Not in America. The truth does not sell well. So um, here's a question, guys. Uh, was that misnamed catastrophic, catastrophic event in American history that is misnamed the Civil War, was it in fact necessary? Was it fought for the reasons we have been taught all of our lives? Why would anyone lie about the events that led to the tremendous loss of life and treasure which forever scarred the American psyche? Any thoughts on that, Richard? Uh, um, well, we wouldn't dare to uh, s- well second-guess your uh, assessment. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, sir. All right. Well, thank you, Richard. Uh, Stephen, uh, any thoughts on your end there, sir? I think that it was only necessary from the point of view of our owners at that time wanting to transcend their physical slavery of their assets into the physical slavery that we're all under today to make it uh, morally reprehensible at, at one level. Although this happens still to this day even more than ever, but at least in the zeitgeist's mind, morally reprehensible to own another human being outright, but it's just fine to own them by via means of their debt and, and cart them off to prison if they don't pay you. So that, that, that it was necessary to turn the South into that along with the rest of the world. From that, that's the only thing, the way I see it as necessary from their point of view. From any other point of view, no. Necessary to do what, sir? Was it necessary in what sense is my question back at that, I guess. Exactly. Uh, Why it could have been, it should have been easily settled. The South actually sent envoys to speak with Lincoln to try to prevent the war. Lincoln would not meet with them. He had his Secretary of State meet with them. But he refused to ever actually meet with the men who were clamoring from the South, clamoring for peace. They did not want a war. But uh, I'm going to jump into a couple of quotes from Stonewall Jackson here, that uh, especially one to his aide-de-camp, which was one Sandy Pendleton. And here was a quote. And gentlemen, just think about what he says here. He says, Mr. Pendleton, if the Republicans lose their little war, they're voted out in the next election, and they will just return to their homes in New York or Massachusetts or Illinois, all fat with their war profits. But, Mr. Pendleton, if we lose, we lose our country, we lose our independence, 
we lose it all, unquote. At some point in late 1862, the Abraham Lincoln-led Republican administration realized that their completely unconstitutional, immoral war perpetrated on the people of the South was generating a tremendous loss of life and property. And at some point, history would demand an explanation for what could only be considered treason. They also realized that should they lose this war, there would certainly be legal repercussions for their blatant disregard for the limits of the Constitution. Lincoln, after all, ordered up an army of 75,000 soldiers to invade citizens of his own country. Now, let me read for you, please, Article 3, Section 3 of the Constitution, which is the only place in the Constitution which defines a crime. And here is what it says, and I quote, Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or adhering to their enemies and giving them aid and comfort. When unconstitutional immoral wars are killing thousands each and every week, tyrants like, tyrants like Abraham Lincoln are forced to seek some form of legal high ground on which to base the reasoning for those crimes. Sometimes this even requires the refutation of what one might have claimed previously, and I quote from Abraham Lincoln's first inaugural address, and I again quote, Apprehension seems to exist among the people of the southern states that by the accession of a Republican administration, their property and their peace and personal security are to be endangered. There has never been any reasonable cause for such apprehension. Indeed, the most ample evidence to the contrary has all the while existed and been open to their inspection. It is found in nearly all of the published speeches of him who now addresses you. I do but quote from one of these speeches when I declare I have no purpose, directly or indirectly, to interfere with the institution of slavery in the states where it exists. I believe I have no lawful right to do so, and I have no inclination to do so. Those who nominated and elected me did so with full knowledge that I had made this and many similar declarations and had never recanted them, unquote. So, Richard, does that sound like the man was uh, going to war to, to stop slavery? No, it certainly does not, Mike. <laughs> I, to me, it's just the opposite. Stephen, your thoughts? Stephen, you yeah, fall just, asleep yes, on sir. There he no, is. Sir, there he there is. There we go. It was the screen blacked out on me. I missed the button. Yes, sir. I, it sounds like exactly <laughs> the opposite to me. So, to, yes. Oh, on a, on a side note, I was looking up uh, that film that you mentioned. Uh, it was released in 2003, originally five hours in length, uh, cut by an hour and a half. But in 2011, they have the extended director's cut now available. Um, so if people people want to see that full uh, over five hours uh, version of it. And they're saying it's an adaption of the 96, 1996 novel of the same name and a prequel to Maxwell's 1993 film Gettysburg. Yes, sir, it was. And there was three that were planned, Richard. And after Gods and Generals, Hollywood shut down the third one. 
So, you know, they were going to do a, I think the third one was going to be called the Terrible Swift Sword. And after uh, Gods and Generals, Hollywood said, no more. Nope, we're not doing this. Uh, I think uh, the truth was getting out too much. But uh, going back to Mr. Lincoln and his wall, killing all these people and the destruction of private property, not to mention shutting down newspapers in the north, imprisoning members of the Maryland state legislature, and issuing an arrest warrant for the chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, all because they dared challenge the war on constitutional principles, Lincoln was forced to come up with justification based on the very moral principles he had abandoned when he started the war. But Lincoln and the Republicans had to be very careful, for there were several states in the North which were most intolerant of the person of black descent. Now, this is hard for a lot of people to understand, but it's true. Now, here's a couple of quotes on that. Race prejudice seems stronger in those states that have abolished slavery than in those where it still exists. And nowhere is it more intolerant than in those states where slavery was never known. Okay, now another quote. So, the Negro in the North is free, but he cannot share the rights, pleasures, labors, griefs, or even the tomb of him whose equal he has been declared. There is nowhere where he can meet him, neither in life nor in death. In the South, where slavery still exists, less trouble is taken to keep the Negro apart from the white. They sometimes share the labors and the pleasures of the white men. People are prepared to mix with them to some extent. Legislation is more harsh against them, but customs are more tolerant and gentle towards them. Now, this was written by Alexis de Tocqueville, who toured both the North and the South, and he wrote this, and the book is called Democracy in America, and if you folks are interested in where that quote is, it's on page 243. Now, here are some things, guys, that, mo- that we just weren't taught, and then I want to get you gentlemen's thoughts on this. Both Indiana, 1816, and Illinois, 1818, abolished slavery in their state constitutions, and both followed the Ohio policy of trying to prevent black immigration by passing laws requiring blacks who moved into those states to produce legal documents, verifying first that they were free, and then they had to post a bond to guarantee their good behavior. The bond requirements ranged as high as $1,000, which in that time frame was totally prohibitive for a black African and uh, black American, I'm sorry, an anti-immigration legislation passed in Illinois in 1819, 1829, and 1853. In Indiana, such laws were enacted in 1831 and 1852. Michigan Territory passed such a law in 1827. Iowa Territory passed one in 1839, and Iowa enacted another in 1851 after it became a state. Oregon Territory passed such a law in 1849. Blacks who violated these laws faced punishment that included advertisement and sale at public auction. Now, folks, if you want to check behind me on this one, please do. And this is called Slavery in the North, North of Slavery, the Negro in the Free States, 
1790-1860, and the book was published by the University of Chicago Press. This came from the North. So, uh, and and that was that is what was really crazy. I think it was a book I read called "Born Fighting" by uh, Senator James Webb, when he said it was ir- ironic that the Southern uh, soldiers went to war because they had been invaded in the Southern, and they were fighting against Northern men who still owned slaves in their own states which uh, is a little, you know, I, I try to teach that down at the school and see how fast, you, see how quick you lose your job. Your thoughts, Richard? Well, no, I mean, it uh, backs up uh, the assessment that slavery was uh, ultimately on its way out. Um, either way, it wasn't, uh, well, contrary to like some of the information I was mentioning last week, where you know we have we have some uh, even among the like, RBN community who have the impression that the South wanted to solidify slavery indefinitely for their states, and that that the Civil War uh, represented uh, that stance for the South. Well, that's true, Richard. An awful lot of Americans embrace that Marxist teaching and uh, get very upset when you uh, point out to them that it is Marxist teaching. Uh, your thoughts, Stephen? Yeah, if they'd wanted to do that, all they would have had to do was just uh, uh, agree to the Corwin Amendment and come back to the Union, and it would have been enshrined in this document everybody worships called the Constitution forever. And yes, and the Corwin Amendment made slavery perpetual forever and outside of the reach of Congress. And, and if they- you really – go ahead. Sorry, I think it's really telling what that, about the times that we don't realize how things were then when the, they, the South was invi- in fighting off invaders who owned slaves who were in the South at the time. That, yeah, that's that, that's all. That's that really made me stop and, and, and just try to put myself back there again because things were so much different. I can't imagine, you know, trying to look at it. With 21st century eyes is 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 the wrong way to uh, to look at it. If I look at it from the way they saw it, it's completely different. Just like that guy was saying, the the Apaches were fighting off invaders, and now so are we. And it's the same. Some of the same invaders they were fighting off. Now I'm fighting them off. And it just seems like that's the way it's always been. And that the ones who end up uh, invading us and winning are the ones he mentioned there, the banks and the money and the people manipulating the war to start with. And, you know, that's just where my head goes. I'm sorry. I, you no, know, don't sorry. apologize, <laughs> sir. You're, you're spot on. And uh, here's the thing that most Americans just will not accept. What was the first three states that Lincoln invaded militarily? You know, Stephen? Um, it's, uh, uh, Maryland and, and um, Kentucky, wasn't it? And, and Missouri, maybe? There yes. were Confederate states. No more Confederates no. in the Confederacy. No, sir. No. Is that and the right he, three? <laughs> yes, and he invaded hey, I'm Maryland. Learning, y'all. <laughs> yeah, he invaded Maryland first off and actually put the legislature and the mayor of Boston in jail. And he ordered and he sent an order to uh, Spoons Butler 
Benjamin Butler, he sent an order to him and said, do not allow that legislature to vote for secession. You have to stop it. So uh, does that sound like he's uh, defending uh, or trying to prevent slavery? Not to me. And then he invades both Kentucky and Missouri, Missouri big time. And the invasion of Missouri and the Missouri legislature uh, on the run seceded. It's legal. It's actually there. But they did not secede until they were invaded by forces out of St. Louis, most of whom guys couldn't speak English. Imagine that, a Union army that couldn't speak English. Folks were about to be staring one of those in the face here pretty soon. Because now with all of the demands for let's let these illegal immigrants into the military so they can earn citizenship, it's coming. Ah, here's the music. Be back on the other side, guys. tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajit by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shiloji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiloji has been in use for thousands of years 
and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. renegades folks and welcome back to rbm because without renegades there would never be freedom and rightful liberty i can promise you that because the nature of a man nature of man is to oppress his neighbor uh regardless of his skin color i promise you uh and so here's something you know again about history and that was the war was not going well at all for Mr. Lincoln. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, especially the Shenandoah Valley, 1862, they're getting their butts handed to them time after time after time. Uh, the wonderful Stonewall Jackson has a force of about 30,000 men, and he goes up against Shields, Banks, and Fremont in the Shenandoah Valley uh, with uh, combined forces of over 100,000, and he beats them time after time after time after time and it's just not going well and so then along comes the battle of second manassas and the yankees get their butts handed to them again and lincoln begins to fret what am i going to do here something's not right so in steps his uh, wonderful secretary of treasury salmon p chase and he they said well we've got to come up with something here So Lincoln fell upon the idea of an emancipation proclamation, moral high ground on which to base his tyrannical, murderous war. Now, he felt like at this point in time he had to do that because his greatest fear was that England and France would come to the aid of the South. And 
he felt that if he threw up this Emancipation Proclamation, that they wouldn't do it on moral reasons. And he was right. It worked. But uh, not a child today goes through the public fool system in this country without hearing of the great emancipator and his Emancipation Proclamation. But how many are told of the conditions of the free blacks who lived in the North? The duplicity of Lincoln witnessed by his statements in his inaugural address or the horrid treatment of those in the North who dared oppose Lincoln's unconstitutional war. Is withholding the truth any different than just flat-out lying? Conveniently for those who worship at the feet of Lincoln and the unconstitutional government that has existed since what was actually our second war for independence. Thank you for that, Stonewall. In this country, left out most of the descriptions of the emancip- left out of the descriptions of the Emancipation Proclamation, is the fact it only freed the slaves in parts of states where Lincoln had no control. It did not free one black in the border states or in the areas of the southern states controlled by the Northern Army. It didn't free one black in the North. Lincoln, acting through his military subordinates, such as the aforementioned Beast Butler in New Orleans, where he went after Maryland, he continued to use blacks as slave labor to construct forts and other needful buildings. Now, here's a quote for you. Despite this expansive wording, the Emancipation Proclamation was limited in many ways. It applied only to states that had seceded from the Union, leaving slavery untouched in the loyal border states and in the North. It also expressly exempted parts of the Confederacy that had already come under Northern control. Most important, the freedom it promised depended upon a Union military victory. Although the Emancipation Proclamation did not end slavery in the nation, it captured the hearts and the imagination of millions of Americans and fundamentally transformed the character of the war. Now, you might say, okay, uh, where'd you find that? Uh, Is that some Southern stuff? No. That came from the National Archives and Records Administration. Oh, imagine that. There we have it. The official government's position from the National Archives, a branch of the civil uh, central government. The truth does not matter. Only how do you think or feel about an issue? In fact, it is not important you even know the truth, especially if it has to do with overreaching, unconstitutional, immoral government. The Emancipation Proclamation, a piece of intentionally deceptive legislation, continues to this day to capture the hearts and imaginations of millions of Americans. But in so doing, it obfuscates the truth and does absolutely nothing to correct the inaccuracies of revisionist history, which is being taught to our children and to the adults of this country. More importantly, it carries with it the automatic acceptance of a highly centralized and despotic government structure that is diametrically opposed to what we believe or we were taught that the Constitution stands for. So, uh, Richard, uh, any thoughts so far, my friend? Well, let's go to Stephen. Stephen? Yeah, uh, 
Well, you know, what stands out to me always is that that Constitution, it, it that big we the people in it. And that just is so, so, such be, I mean, that speaks volumes to me. That's who they're trying to fool and protect themselves from is us out here who they're telling wrote this or, or, or it represents when it was done in secret and usurped the law of every land that they came from. And, and you know, they had no authority to do this. It's just, look, this was a criminal act and we've been living under a criminally created empire that it created the end result of it they predicted what the end result could be and if you look in gaza today you see what the end result of that act is on the world that's just the way i feel i'm sorry i hate to be such a thought criminal but that's how i feel well i think you're spot on and i, I was just thinking as you said that about uh, when uh, uh, stonewall was taking his forces on a flanking movement at uh, chancellorsville and caved in the union uh army uh caved in its uh, right flank and had it uh had they had enough daylight uh it is very possible that the war might have been over right there because lincoln was about to drive the union army into the rappahannock river (laughs) because they had nowhere to go their backs were against the river and they were being heavily assaulted and uh you know and they were fleeing they were running away from the battle at that time but uh, during the course of that uh Stonewall was riding beside John Bell Hood, another uh, Confederate general, and uh, he happened to ask uh, John Bell Hood, he said, well, General, do you think you will survive the war? And John Bell Hood said, uh, yes, General, I think that I will. I think I'll be wounded, uh, uh, maybe even severely, but I think I will survive the war. And he turned to Jackson and he said, what about you, General? Do you think that you will survive the war? And Jackson said, no, I don't think that I will. Neither would I want to if the South does not prevail. That's Richard. And that is, uh, guys, that is a, a duplication in my mind of Patrick Henry's give me liberty or give me death. Richard, you back with us, sir? Yes. Yes. Sorry. And yeah. Oh, that's all right. Well, no, that no, that that certainly uh, makes quite a a, a similar uh, statement, sentiment, and yeah, no, I mean it, it's interesting when Stephen was stressing earlier uh, that that is really the one of the big misconceptions. Uh, I'll just add is that uh, people seem to see that everyone for the South or most of all of them were. Uh, land-owning, uh, slave-owning uh, <laughs> individuals, uh, Southerners. And so, I mean, that is possibly one of the greatest misconceptions because as uh, Stephen described it, I mean, they had, they had invaders on their land who owned these plantations with all these slaves. They were trying to fight to get their land back. They weren't fighting for those uh, men to, uh, you know, continue exploiting you know the, the land and uh, the situation. If that yeah. if that sounds accurate, yes, sir, it is. And uh, a lot of people don't know that uh, more than ninety four percent of the Confederate soldiers didn't own a slave. So it's going to be hard for me. It should be hard for anyone to believe 
that a man that didn't own a slave who was working day after day after day trying to provide for his family, trying to keep a roof over his head, trying to keep everybody fed, why they would take up arms and leave their families behind to go fight some uh, a war so that somebody they didn't even know or maybe didn't even care about could own a slave. That is just absolutely about as asinine as anybody can get, in my opinion. Your thoughts, uh, Stephen? Yeah, and I would love to see that last movie made that showed that first genocide across the South here with Sherman and Terrible Swiss Sword and all that. Even though the the quote that the stuff that everybody remembers him for had been happening the whole time, it just it it just must have been too much truth was coming out. Like you said, I was uh, I was thinking back about the way that the things that we are able to see or control so tightly if we start to look at the actual history too much they'll, they'll shut it down well uh Stephen, you brought to mind uh something and i i was going to tell people about this a little bit later but uh on the 10th day of february in our saturday slot from 4 to 7 p.m here at rbn uh and, and it's our normal black ball spooks uh Frederick will be with me for the first two hours, and uh, I, ha- I haven't found out if uh, Ms. Q will be able to be with us, but our premier guest on the 10th will be Mrs. Karen Stokes, and she is an author, and she is also works at the South Carolina Historical Society, Stephen, and she has written several books based on official documentation of what was done to the people in the South by the wonderful, oh gosh, I hate to say that, William Tecumseh Sherman. And she oh. is going, she's going to bring a lot of the documents with her. She's written two books. Folks, I would recommend that you take a very close look, if you're interested in history, accurate history. Uh, one of her books is called... Uh, South Carolina in 1865. And let me tell you something, it'll curl your toes. Because these official documents, the rapes, the pillaging, the rapes of blacks and white women, they didn't care. One way or the other, drunken brawls, burning everything they came to, digging up graves, fresh graves, because the Yankee soldiers thought these crazy Confederates might have buried their gold and silver in these graves. And they dug up graves and then just threw the corpse onto the ground. Some of these stories, folks, if you've got a semblance of a heart, it's going to make a big difference. And since I've jumped on uh, what we're going to do on the 10th, Stephen, why don't you tell people what we're going to do next week? Next Saturday, folks, right here on Republic Broadcasting Network during Mr. Gaddy's um, Rebel Madman radio uh, show, we're going to have the survivors of the USS Liberty to set the record straight. Oh, man, I can't wait for that one. That one is going to be so much, uh, I won't call it fun, because there's nothing about that that uh, would lead to fun. But America needs to know the truth. And they've been lied to, and I tell you, Stephen, it's just like I told you. My heart breaks for these men. To think what these men did, what these men went through, and then to have their own damn country turn on them. Yeah. It's incredible. It's heartbreaking. It is, sir, yeah. And I, yeah. There's a, there's a, 
similarity to that and what happened to the marauders in some ways in my heart too to that that's kind of my dad yes same thing a lot about that and and i was thinking about how much what happened here when you were talking about that lady and what happened in south carolina in 1865 echoed through uh you know over a century later in germany in 45 1945 too at the yes. end of that war it's very much like a dress rehearsal for that uh slaughter and it just yeah it, it, it's hard to look at true history from the way it actually was sometimes, especially when it was happened here where I was and to my ancestors like that. That's, you know, it, 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 it can be upsetting, but at the same time, it's very important to set the record straight that the future needs to know the truth. Well, as Mr. Carey would say, we've got to go beyond the official narrative if Amen. we're going to find the truth, right, guys? So, <laughs> and we do. I'm sorry, Richard. Indeed we do, sir. Well, you uh, brought about that part, and we talked about 65, so let me jump to this, and that was that during Reconstruction era in the South, the right to vote and own property was removed from anyone who had given aid and support to the government of the Confederacy. Yankee ne'er-do-wells came by the thousands to the southern states to see they were properly chastised and punished for daring to stand on the principles of the Declaration of Independence. Now, this is something I tell people, and they look at you like you've lost your mind when I tell them that the so-called civil law actually destroyed the basic tenets of the Declaration of Independence. So why do we even have a holiday on July the 4th anymore? Why don't we just call it Abraham Lincoln Day? Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, here is following the Civil War. Now, I'm quoting, following the Civil War, radical Republicans in Congress introduced a series of laws and constitutional amendments to try to secure civil and political rights for black people. This wing of the Republican Party was called radical because of its strong stance on these and other issues. The right that provoked the greatest controversy, especially in the North, concerned black male suffrage, which was the right of a black man to vote. In 1867, Congress passed a law requiring the former Confederate states to include black male suffrage in their new state constitutions. Ironically, even though African-American men began voting in the South after 1867, the majority of northern states continued to deny them this basic right, unquote. Okay, well, you crazy rebel, where'd you find this one? All right, it's listed in the Constitutional Rights Foundation, African Americans, and the 15th Amendment. Read it and weep. Well, these wonderful Yankees sent their holier-than-thou hypocrites into the South as teachers and preachers to indoctrinate all of the people into acceptance of the tyrannical Reconstruction Acts of 1867 and the causus belli for the war, freeing the black man. It was over slavery. Of course, they were also there to teach the young people that the unconstitutional, highly centralized, tyrannical, despotic government they were living under was for the greater good of all. Today, our children are still taught the above by those indoctrinated in the so-called field of education and many so-called intelligent adults 
regurgitate the government-provided pablum on demand. Again, it is all about the emotions of the situation, and the truth is irrelevant. We now see the manifestation of that doctrine in American education called Common Core. Now, here's another quote for you. Every man should endeavor to understand the meaning of subjugation before it is too late. We can give but a faint idea when we say it means the loss of all we now hold most sacred. Personal property, land, homesteads, liberty, justice, safety, pride, manhood. It means that the history of this heroic struggle will be written by the enemy. That our youth will be trained by northern school teachers. will learn from northern school books their version of the war. They will be impressed by all influences of history and education to regard our gallant dead as traitors, our maimed veterans as fit objects for their derision. It means the crushing of Southern manhood to establish sectional superiority and a more centralized form of government and to deprive us all of our rights and liberties, unquote. Now, where did that come from? That did come from a good Confederate, General Patrick Claiborne, Patrick Romaine Claiborne, Confederate States of America, and he made that statement on 2 January 1864, not long before he was killed at the Battle of Franklin. So, uh, Stephen, you want to jump on that one? I I wanted... Uh, ask you were talking about the Shenandoah and all happening right before the Emancipation Proclamation and, and um, the then the Battle of Gettysburg was sixty three and all. What year was that Hazard Circular? What when was that sent? I, I, that came that, out about that, the same time as the Emancipation Proclamation. That's what I thought, sir. And another thought I wanted to share with that, if everybody was that the the in 1865 here in, in South Carolina and Columbia, they're like 25, 20, let's say 22 years later, I think 20 in this 1877, I believe it was there was or it might have been 76, right around there, this big earthquake in Charleston, and, and it did a lot did a lot of damage there. But people thought, and, and tell me if I'm right about this, but they saw pictures of people have seen pictures of that. From Columbia and thought it was damaged and burned in that earthquake, but it wasn't. It was still uh, burned from that, you know, from what happened with Sherman and this, the war. Uh, that destruction was still there that long. Oh, yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. And uh, one other thing I wanted to address uh, our good buddy, uh, Blackbird Nine, sent me a uh, uh, video of. Uh, stuff they're putting out on tv now and you know number one it's all emotional i mean it was on the internet i'm sorry not tv but uh here was a picture of oh the war people tell you that the war wasn't about slavery they're lying to you and and then they've got a video of blacks running and being chased by people you know trying to get their freedom that is an emotional attachment people that has no facts and basis of course yes it happened from time to time i'm sure it did but that is not the truth of what they were trying to say and then they went to the next level and they said there were i don't care what these people tell you there were no blacks that fought for the confederacy not one well folks I got something for you here. In 2011, a Virginia textbook, which was titled Our Virginia, Past and Present, 
It came under heavy criticism in the news because it claimed that thousands of blacks fought for the Confederacy in the Civil War. Now, there were some errors in that textbook, as there are in most every textbook that you will find, but that was not an error. And this is, there is credible evidence that thousands of blacks did, in fact, fight for the Confederacy, quite possibly somewhere between four and 6,000, or maybe even as high as 7,000. This is documented in Union Army reports, people, in letters written by Union soldiers and in northern and southern newspapers, among many other sources. Slaves fought for two reasons. Number one, they were offered freedom in exchange for their military service. And number two, they were loyal to their masters and or to the South. Free blacks fought for the South as well. The Confederate government, now here's the thing that most people do not understand about this, and they say, well, the Confederacy didn't, you know, didn't know the Confederate government didn't. But where you find the truth of this, folks, is at that time there were state militias. And these state militias went to war. Various units throughout. Now they were under the command of the Confederate Army once they uh, joined up with it, but they had blacks in there, in their various units. There was an, an artillery unit in New Orleans that was entirely black. And But here, the Confederate government did not officially authorize the recruitment of slaves as soldiers until early in 1865, shortly before the war ended. However, some southern state militias and governments and individual Confederate commanders began using slaves and free blacks as soldiers very early in the war. Now, here's some of the evidence. I don't like to tell you people make a statement or give you my opinion without some evidence to back it up. And to me, this one is really strong because it's in the National Archives. And it says, the chief inspector of the U.S. Sanitary Commission, Dr. Lewis Steiner, reported that he saw... 3,000, at least 3,000 well-armed black Confederate soldiers in Stonewall Jackson's army in Frederick, Maryland, and that these soldiers were, and I quote, manifestly an integral portion of the Southern Confederate Army, unquote. Here comes that music. Be back on the other side, folks. Just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to heat And the whole beast Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic The world's largest Confederate store Located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world Ends at the asphalt Welcome to God's country Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to T-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. 
That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network.